This is a podcast about answering one question. Are you on a journey that matters enough to you? To answer this question, you're going to need to dive right into your middles. I'm obsessed with middles. I've come to think that middles deserve another look. To ensure that you are on a journey that matters enough to you, buckle into that middle seat and let's go on this adventure together. Hashtag welcome aboard. Welcome friends. We're so glad to have you with us today. We've got a phenomenal episode for you starring Devin Tusher. She's the principal dancer for the American Ballet Theater. I'm so excited to have Devin. Let me give you an intro and then we'll jump right into the episode. Devin began her ballet training at the age of nine under Deanna Dottie of the Champaign-Urbana Ballet Academy in Champaign, Illinois. When her family moved to Vermont, she continued her training at the Vermont Ballet Theater School in Essex, Vermont, under the direction of Alex and Kirsten Najiba. At the age of 11, Devin attended the Kirov Ballet Academy Summer Intensive. She also attended the Pacific Northwest Ballet Summer Intensive on full scholarship for two years. And then from 2002 to 2006, Devin attended the American Ballet Theater Summer Intensive and was a national training scholar from 2003 to 2006. In January of 2005, at the age of 15, Devin relocated to New York City to dance at American Ballet Theater's Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis School on full scholarship. Devin joined the ABT Studio Company in 2006. She joined American Ballet Theater as an apprentice in December of 2007 and the Corps de Ballet in June of 2008. She became a soloist in August 2014 and principal dancer in September of 2017. Quite an accomplishment. Devin was nominated for this Clive Barnes Award in 2014 and received the Leonore Annenberg Arts Fellowship in 2016. I wish I could show you all the video. I wish we could go to a live performance of Devin. I wish I could read all the write-ups uh, that New York media scene has written up uh, for uh, and about Devin. They're nothing short of phenomenal. I remember reading a New York Times review of, of you, Devin, um, a couple years ago, and it was, it, was, it was pretty spectacular. We're so thrilled that you have joined us. Thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule and, yeah, having this conversation. We're excited. Thank you for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. I know. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So you know what we do here, right? We talk about journeys and um, and we talk about journeys that matter for people. And we talk about journeys that matter enough for people and kind of the distinction between those two. So I'll get started with the first question because I know we've chatted about this before. Let's just go with it. Okay. So uh, when you hear the question, are you on a journey that matters enough to you? Yeah. What do you think about? What does it mean to you? Yeah. I mean, I think I automatically go to my career of um, being a dancer and like that definitely matters enough to me <laughs> and how much it has taken, right. taken to like recognize that and how much work it takes. And um, just it's pretty all consuming. And so I do feel like um, that is something that I have considered and have had the question in the past or even just. Um, especially now during COVID, I've had to question a lot of like, is this the right path for me? Because it's been taken away so quickly and so um, like out from under me. So, you know, there seems like so many other options right now because this isn't, this isn't the path that I'm on, the journey that I can take right now. But it's, but to me, it's, it always has been the one that was worth right. it that matters enough. <laughs> sure. So yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the two components, right? So you've been dancing since what you were nine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nine. And then really at like age 10 or 11 is when you really d fully committed. Is that fair to say? Yeah. 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 I mean, around, I took um, kind of, my first classes were jazz and tap and hip hop and all those kind of um, more fun classes. Um, and then <laughs> I, Devin, Devin, for the record, ballet, I did musical theater growing up and ballet, it just wasn't for me, Devin. I was the kid in jazz, like with all the jazz hands and I loved it. And ballet was way too disciplined. Uh, so God bless you for that. <laughs> I took, okay, here's my story. I took my first ballet class when I was nine and that was actually the first class I took was ballet. And I immediately without fail fell in love with it. Like adored everything about it from day one. Like my Make teacher, I wanted to be her. And then I, and then I took the other classes, jazz and tap and hip hop, cause it was the school I was at and sure. everyone else liked those better, but I always loved the ballet classes more. Um, so Great. I, 
kid that was like doing ballet uh, solos at the jazz competitions and everyone was <laughs> this girl. So then in my in my town, a studio opened that was doing more ballet specific classes. And so I decided to go start taking some classes over there sure, because um, I wanted more ballet. And so my um, my teacher at my jazz uh, my jazz school found out and she confronted me and this was age about age 10 and she confronted me and said you can't take classes at both places you have to pick one and so oh. I remember being like I don't want to pick one I'm 10 like why should I have to pick between the two yeah. why are you asking me about a journey that matters enough to me at age 10 <laughs> totally okay exactly. and what'd you do so and my mom was really good she was like honestly you have to decide I'm not going to decide this for you like you have to really just like weigh this in your mind. And so at the end of the day, and I remember just crying over this because I was like, I want to stay dancing with my friends. Like all my friends were there, sure. all of these things. But at the end of the day, I chose to go to the ballet school because I just loved it. And again, mm-hmm. I came back to day one. I adored everything about it. I adored the discipline. I adored like the boringness that everyone doesn't like about it, like all those little detailed mm. things. I loved it. So that was really where my journey started into ballet specifically was at 10, I decided to go train more specifically into ballet. Yeah, it's fascinating, right? Because it mattered. It obviously mattered. And of course, I love asking the enough part of the question, right? Like, how did you know it mattered enough? And it's like, it, 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 you were put at choice at such a young age to answer the yeah. enough part, right? <laughs> And so then it goes, oh, like, did it continue on, right? And we'll get into that. But it's so fascinating that at such a young age, A, you you loved it, which was the key. Yeah. But it was just interesting that you were put at choice so young. And it was interesting that your parents, or specifically your mother, said, I can't make this choice for you. So you've been with this question for a long time, right? Yeah. Almost, yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting. Okay, so now let's talk COVID because um, just for our audience so that they understand what you mean by that and how, what, what's, what's happening in the dance world right now other than what we can assume out here. Yeah, tell us like the fears and this, the, yeah, go ahead. I won't <laughs> fill in the blank. Yeah, so I mean, as I'm sure a lot of people know, the arts have been hit very hard by COVID. And honestly, it's for me personally, I just can talk to my personal experience. I It's taken my whole life away in a way. Um, I, you know, we can no longer go do what I love to do. What I chose to do at age 10, I can no longer do. And it's, it's tough. Like we, it's been almost nine months for me since I've been in a studio dancing with other people, dancing with my company, um, American Valley Theater. And performing is not an option. And and honestly, performing is in the big theater, which we normally do is not an option anytime soon. So I think that's the most daunting part about it, especially like considering if the journey matters enough to me is, is there's kind of no end in sight when it comes to when this is this kind of temporary hold on my career, which is tough because our careers are so finite and short as dancers, you know, we, our bodies will give out at some point. And so it's, it's scary because it's like, okay, well, I feel like I'm almost in like early retirement. Like I'm forced to have to figure out what I would want to do when I retire, but I'm not at that age yet. Um, so it's very confronting to have to deal with, okay, is this the journey that matters enough to me? Do I sit and kind of wait this out and hope that we'll get back to performing and being in the studio and creating and, and doing the thing I love and I chose to do at 10 and been choosing to do at mm-hmm. performance? Or do I, do I pick another journey and another path? in the meantime, or do I pick another journey and a path completely? Um, so right. Yeah. <laughs> and how do I, how do I access my 10 year old self? Do I have to like go back to that place and pick a new journey? You know, right. that's, that's really interesting. And then this idea that there could, could there be multiple journeys? Uh, and if there are multiple journeys from your experience, you know, how much time, emotion, et cetera, et cetera, you have committed to making this journey not only matter, but enough. (laughs) So I can imagine that that would be more than daunting to even consider. It is. Uh, It's very daunting. There's also another aspect of me that I've always felt this, that I actually feel quite lucky that, you know, most people don't get the opportunity to have two careers in their whole life and they choose one and they might not even be happy with that one that they're on and they're in mm -hmm. their whole life. But I feel really grateful and I feel really lucky that as a dancer, I get to choose a career that I 
well, I always say I feel like it chose me, but I did at age 10. I chose this career that I really, really love and I it's my everything and I'm super passionate about it. But then also when I retire, I get the option to maybe go and do something completely different and maybe try a whole new career. And it's scary because that there comes a lot of work into that, but it's, you know, not many people's career ends in their like late thirties. Um, and they have to, they have to like pick something else. Um, so it yeah. is cool that I get that option to get two careers or I can stay in the ballet world and stay in the, in the dance and the arts field, which is also another option as well. Um, yeah. so it's, it's a very interesting, different, it's, we're almost like, um, Olympic athletes in a way. It's very interesting. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. And, and the fact that, yeah, you can fit, you know, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, like right. we don't know, like it, it the uh, it, in your late thirties, if that's where uh, the cutoff line is, right? And the yeah. Olympic athlete, yeah, Olympic athletes make complete sense. But it's it's yeah, it's really really interesting because um, you knew this day would come, right, in your late thirties, but not yet because you're not there yet, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, COVID is is a is a topic, and and we talk about middles, and we're going to go into that. But it's one of the biggest middles any of us has, have faced, any of my guests have faced, any professional. Uh, a place that I have faced in terms of a middle. I mean, it, it's, it's very confronting. I yeah. think that's what you, we had chatted about, you know, a few, a few days ago. So thanks for sharing it. Let's talk about, yeah, Devin, let's flip it over. So, and this is interesting for you because you were put at choice when you were at age 10, <laughs> but when, <laughs> when, and how did you know that you were, you were not on a journey that mattered enough? And did, um, did you, did you ever know that? Yeah. Where do, where do you go? Uh, I feel really lucky that I found something that I love a hundred percent and I am so passionate about from such a young age and that honestly, as hard as it's been, my kind of at times, I've always just felt like the right journey for me in regards to my career, you know, and, but there were times when I was like a teenager where I was like, is this, is this enough? Like, I kind of want to, maybe I can go be a normal teenager and go like be, go to prom and like go to basketball games and football, like do all that, like kind of teenager stuff that I really didn't do because I was so focused on dancing and, and so focused on being in the studio. And that wasn't because anyone told me to, or because I had to, it was just because I really wanted to, and I loved it. Um, and I'm super grateful to my mother because she, when I was younger and growing up, we always had this motto and we would always talk about it and keep, and, you know, kind of reassess. And, and her motto was, you can keep doing it as long as it's fun. And as long as you love it, like as long as at the end of the day, you're enjoying it and having fun. That's what matters, especially to her as a mother. Like she wants her daughter to be happy. And I was obviously taking an alternate route to kind of the more normal teenage route. So that really stuck with me, like all my choices continuing to, to do dance and continuing to make the choice to kind of not go on, maybe to co go to college or even just, you know, doing high school, I guess, again, in the as a teenager, going to prom, I think um, that was a really guiding light for me, that question of like, is it fun? And it's a motto that stuck with me even through my whole career. Like, do I love this? Is it fun? Not to say that there aren't going to be really difficult, hard days, and it's not always like cupcakes and fairies and fun, but like, and overall, if you can take a step back and look at it and think like, okay, am I really enjoying this in an overall sense? Then that feels like that guided me and always feeling like my journey was the right one for me. Yeah. Who knew your mom would have that much impact right, yeah. with this family motto? It's pretty awesome, right? Because this is the kind of the metric you use to gauge your journey. Right. And so that's the, and I don't know if it was true, true of your siblings as well, but for you that worked. Right. And so you can gauge, it's just nice to have a way to gauge it. And so I love that you said, Hey, like I, I enjoyed being a teenager too, like basketball games, prom, these kinds of things. Um, and so I wouldn't take that away from my journey, but you always had that question of, well, is this enough? Like, is this really, yeah. If I'm going to dedicate my time to something and my talent to something, is this enough, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, at age 15, I chose to move to New York City and leave home and not be a normal teenager. You know, like 15, I get this option to move to New York City to make better training. And it was like, okay, well, this is a real turning point for me here, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm leaving mm -hmm. home and I'm suddenly like, is this enough? Like <laughs> I'm real. this is a big, big mm -hmm. jump from just like training and being at home and kind of having that normal teenage life. So I, I think specifically that motto really came up then in my life with my mom, because 
it was like, okay, we can go try this. Like we moved in January and she was like, you can try this for half of, she moved with me and we lived in a tiny studio apartment together and shared uh-huh. a bed for a year. And we, were, you know, we were making it work. God bless her. That's, yeah. I can, I, I can see the whole thing. Yeah. 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 But it was like, okay, we move at 15 and you try this for half a year. And if you love it, great, you stay and you continue and we can make it happen. But if you don't, like you can always come home and you can always come back and you can always just continue doing what you're doing or not. Or So there was always, I never felt any like pressure to have to make it my journey. It just always felt like it was the right journey. And so I continued with that motto because from when I chose to go there, it was like, I always have the choice for something else. And I always felt like this was the choice that I wanted to continue to make because it made me happy at the end of the day. It's really cool that, yeah, I like that it, it was a, it was kind of a, in coaching, we'll say, you know, it can be either or, black or white, or both and, and both and would have a little gray in it. Your career path as a dancer, obviously, it's, it's either or, you know, you, you, you got to be all in, you got to be committed, but it's almost like the family motto gave you permission to, to make that choice at every transition point. Um, and I, I think the transition point would be middles, right? And we'll, we're going to go there. But just middles. So every time, you know, I, it seems to me that you never felt locked in completely. Not at all. <laughs> the industry could lock you in, right? Yeah. But your mom kind of gave you permission or th- that levity to say, wait, wait, wait. Like, I'm going to use a different bar to measure how my journey is going yeah. and measure its worth yeah. to me. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Like I do think because we honestly had no idea what we were doing. And we, you know, my parents weren't dancers. My dad was a scientist. My mom just was a stay-at-home mom. So I think there was an aspect of a little bit of um we we just had no idea. So we were like, okay, well, it doesn't matter, right? Like it does. Okay, let's no, let's talk about that because I think, yeah, so you're I mean, this story is like, wow, like if I was 10 and then I got put a choice and I made the decision and then it was this very linear path, right? But I really love that you say I no, we honestly like we had no idea. Like we just yeah. didn't know what we were doing, right? And um, actually, I just posted this morning. This is Amy Porterfield. I love her, and she she had just said, you know, one of the things she said is, "You'll never, you'll never feel one hundred percent ready. Do it anyway." Yeah, right. Like you just don't know. And so I think I think okay. So let's talk middles, okay? Because I know middles have played a major role in your experience, your professional experience. When we had chatted, you know, you had said, "Oh no, there were two like really clear." middles for me. Do you want to walk us through those? Yeah, sure. Or, um, yeah. So or yeah, if you have new ones, like if you have other ones, by all means. But. No, I think these, these are two ones that I, that came up when we spoke earlier. And I, and I think, yeah. So, you know, once I joined, I, like I said, I moved to ABT at 15 and then I joined the company at 16 at 17, I joined the company and I was young and I was like, Oh, I'm going to be you know, that journey was quite quick for me. That was very, like, I moved very quickly through the ranks per se. And so then at 17, I was like, oh, I'm going to be principal in like four years, just for for kind of context. In American Ballet Theater, there are four ranks. You start as an apprentice, which is, you know, basic, small, little roles. Then you go to the corps de ballet, which is the bulk of the company. It's about 60 dancers. And you kind of perform almost every night. Um, and you're you're really setting the stage and setting the scene. And then you have the soloists who are doing kind of the more dancing parts. And then you have the principals. So that's the top rank, which leads the ballet. Like that's really the leading characters of the ballet. And so, you know, at 17, I was like, oh, I'm going to be there by like 23 or 20 something. <laughs> right. You got, you got the timeline yeah. in your head. And it yeah. makes sense too. Like if you were yeah. telling somebody in the industry about it, it would make sense. Okay, go on. So okay. then, you know. 10 years in and I'm still in the court of ballet and I'm suddenly like, wait, wait what? Like <laughs> this doesn't 10 make- years in. Yeah. I mean, se- I think seven years I was in the course. Sorry, that was incorrect. Seven years I was in the core and then three years I was uh, in as a soloist, but seven years in the core felt like a very long time to me. No, especially- it did. It did. You go, well, no, what I was going to say is it's always interesting when we have, when we make our own we always are going to make our estimations for time, right? And anytime I'm coaching, I say, my rule is to multiply it by four, yeah. generally speaking. Yeah. 
But yeah, tell us about your timeline there because you must I wish have been. Someone would have said that to me because that was totally off. But no, it oh. is. You know, it would. I think like four years is pretty average of someone to spend in the core and then and then move on up and that kind of thing. So I was like, this was a long time to spend in the core, and so there were a lot of moments throughout that seven to ten years where I was like, is this right for me? Like, is this one? Should I continue to dance? And I and I would always come back to the question of my mom, like, should is this still fun? And it would always, at the end of the day, I always still loved it for some reason or another. Um, but then the other question was like, should I maybe go to a different company? Should I should I change location? Should I change places? Um, and and I would I would think like, oh, maybe I can. Um, Go dance because American Ballet Theater is one of the largest companies in the world, and it's one of the top companies in the world. So I thought, well, if I'm not moving up in this in this big company, maybe I could go to a smaller company and potentially move up faster and dance more and be, you know, doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing at 23 um, or 20 or something, you know. And so I had all, all these all these times throughout that throughout that 10 years of very much asking myself, like, is this worth it? And so it was, it was just, it was a lot of middles of, yeah, like questioning, should I be here? Should I not be here? A lot of deciding if this was, the journey was worth it. Um, And for some reason or another, I would always feel like at American Ballet Theater, at my company at home every year, I would have maybe one new role or one new thing to work on. And so whenever that question would come up, I would kind of think to myself like, okay, no, just focus on what you do have and focus on what you are being given and what opportunities you are being given. And so those, that allowed me to really be kind of grateful for what I had. And I continued to get one role and then two roles and then three roles and then four roles. And then, you know, and it ended up working out for me, but there was a lot of time throughout the middle that I was like, I don't know if this is going to be my place. If I'm going to be a principal dancer here, like it's a dream of mine and I would love to. And absolutely like, that's my dream of all dreams. But like, I'm not the person that can say like, I am going to be a principal dancer. I don't know. And according to my path in the middle, like I'm kind of, I'm not sure this doesn't seem like very clear cut to me. Right. And in middles, as you're explaining so beautifully, there's a lot of unknown. I've never experienced a middle without unknown. Like just, I haven't, uh, I haven't experienced a middle and a lot of folks say this, like with, with an element that wasn't unexpected, like your timeline. Yeah. And it wasn't messy, you know, like, I don't think you thought you'd be asking this question. Should I go to a different company? Should I stick it out here? Like, why is this taking so long? It was just, there, there was a lot of mess involved. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It wasn't messy in the sense that, like, my circumstances were still very good. Like, I was still yeah. at a top company. I was still dancing a lot, all these things. But in my mind, it was like, this isn't what I had expected. And like you said, there's right. some expectations and so many things that you kind of put on yourself. And those when those aren't met, it's very messy. And it's very yep. confronting. And it's very like, oh, wait, this is something I have to reassess. And I think that's what happens so frequently in the middle is we have to reassess what what our expectations are and what we have placed on ourselves. So is that why Devin, I'm just going to put like reassess expectations, right? Because that's so key for like navigating middles. It's so key is like this reassessment. So is part of your reassessment, like, was that going, wait, before I, before I make a big decision or a small decision, let me reassess my expectations and look at what I what is on the plate here? Yeah. What I have here. Is that, is that kind of what allowed you to say, wait, I'm going to focus on what I've been given? Because you had to pick a focus and I'm curious as to why you picked that focus. Yeah, I think exactly, it was exactly that. It was like, okay, let's, let's, and oftentimes it also comes down to comparison, right? Like I would see other people's journeys and other people's paths that were very quick and that maybe did that. And I would think, oh, why isn't that happening? But then and that's maybe where the expectations of myself came in of like, oh, I should be being promoted and I should be doing this. Um, so it just, it was very much like, okay, but wait, that's their journey. What is my journey? And what do I have here currently right now that I can focus on that keeps me on my path and my journey that is not uh-huh. the same and will never be the same as anyone else's path. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, no, Devin, that's so, it's so cool. It's so cool because it's the, the focus was the key for you in that middle and navigating it. Uh, the focus on your journey, 
not another person's journey. And your industry, it is so cutthroat. It is so competitive. I don't even know the discipline it took for you to focus on your journey versus others, right? I, it, it, it's yeah. not easy. <laughs> and But we yeah. all face it. Like we all face it every day, especially yep. nowadays with like social media, anything and everything. We're just seeing so much more than we used to. And you just uh-huh. see everyone else's so-called journey or, you know, it's not necessarily their journey. We know now with social media, it's a blip in their life and it's one, <laughs> one part of it. But we see yeah. so much more and it's so easy to compare yourself and think, okay, I don't have that, or I'm not on that journey, or this isn't, you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, it's, it's, that's not your journey. That's not Mm -hmm. your path. You have to come back and look at what you do have currently, have gratitude and be grateful for it. And then focus Mm -hmm. on that. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, and like we, we talked about assess whether that makes you happy or not. If it doesn't make you happy, choose a different journey, but if it does make you happy, stick with it, focus on it and really just like put your head down and do the work. And that's all I tell myself, like just put your head down, put your blinders on, like, don't look around, don't see what everyone else is doing and do your work. Yeah. Put your head down and do the work. Right. And, uh, there's so much to be said for it. Easier said than done as you know, but yeah, I'm with you. Okay. So let's talk, um, let's talk about performances. Like I know that you talked about like the distinction between rehearsals and performances, and this was a big middle for you. I remember you sharing this and I thought the distinction was really fascinating. So tell us about your other middle. So I think there are two aspects to performances in regards to middle. I think for me personally, I, when I was younger, if someone asked me when I was younger, what's your favorite part about dancing or why do you love dancing? And when I was younger, I would be like, oh, performing. I love being on stage. Like that's the best part. That's, you know, the highlight to me, that was the best part. And then as I've gotten older, and it was definitely through an experience when I was a soloist about to be promoted to a principal. I received a grant called the Annenberg Grant, and basically they they used to give it to dancers every year. I don't know if they do now. It's a grant, lump sum of money, and basically they say, do with it whatever you want that'll make you a better artist. So like you, the world is your oyster, literally. You're kind of just like, whoa, this is amazing. Like it was such a great opportunity. And so for you, why thank you, right? Totally. Jackpot. Jackpot. Okay. So what'd you do with it? So for me, it was also a time of reflection where I thought, okay, I was on the precipice of about to be promoted, but I didn't, again, I didn't know if that was going to happen. I'm never sure, right? You never can ensure that this is going to happen. So I thought, okay, I will use this, this grant to go travel to Europe specifically because I was very interested in in Europe and kind of see what these companies are like and kind of see what you know, just the day to day would be like there and see if, if I go there and I feel like it's a great fit, then maybe I like make that transfer. But also on top of that, the option was to have coaching from these incredible, amazing artists and dancers and teachers from around the world. And so I went to these companies, I went to Paris and I went to London and Germany and I spent about a week or two weeks at each location. And I just coached with each, with as many people from those companies as possible. And so in that time, I just, I started to recognize how, how important the studio time was and how much change and how much growth and how much I just don't know that I could learn (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of happened in that time. And so that really became an evolution for me of understanding that my favorite part about dancing and why I love to do this isn't performing. It's being in the studio and being in the middle of a process and literally daily, daily coming in and doing the same tiny little step over and over and making the tiniest itty bitty little tweaks, like to the point that if you weren't a dancer, you would have no idea that I'm making any sort of progress maybe. And just working on that and being in the middle of like working in the studio and those little like daily interactions with your partners and your coaches. And so for me, that was a huge turning point of really appreciating the middle of kind of like a dancer's career, <laughs> you know, because well, so how, how old were you when, when this, and was it an aha moment? Was it a light bulb that went off or no, you kind of came back from Europe and realized, whoa, 
yeah, this is this actually matters more than the performance for me. Yeah, I don't think it was a specific light bulb. I think the whole, I mean, maybe in the sense that the whole experience was a light bulb. The whole experience just opened my eyes to, like I said, how much I really just don't know and how much I have to grow. And especially, I think it's easy when you're in um, kind of my my home company. I'd been at American Ballet Theater for so long, for so many years, and you get used to the people around you, especially your coaches. We kind of get used to each other, and the things can kind of start to get left unsaid, or little corrections are kind of like, oh, that's just how she does something, and and right. and so going out to these companies and having people see me with fresh eyes, and they were just like, no, this and this and this and next and that and that, and you know, and I was like, whoa, I have so much, and so. I came back wanting more of even more of that. So I actually think also I came back like just eager to get more from my coaches and get Mm -hmm. as much as I could. So I would like push them for more and I would ask them for more. And I was just constantly trying to soak up as much as possible. So I think the whole experience was just an aha of like, oh, like this is where it's at. Like this is where the cool stuff happens. So this is, yeah, Devin, like this sounds like this really shifted your relationship to the middles. And it's not that you were thinking of it like that, you know, in in saying the middle, right? But just this, yeah, the relationship of the time in the studio to the performance. I mean, walk us through just really quickly, like for somebody in the audience, like how much, what's the ratio of time spent in a studio rehearsing versus time spent on the stage in a performance? I mean, it's like, 95% 95% in the studio, 5% on stage. Like our career is not on stage, right? That's that's the thing people see. And that's the thing that like everyone else celebrates. But really a dancer's career is in the studio, is like making that daily work, especially, I mean, it just depends on the company that you're in. But at American Ballet Theater, we have very limited amount of performances. I think just in America in general, dance mm-hmm. has a very limited amount of performance opportunities, live performance opportunities. And so it's just, that moment on stage is such a brief little blip compared to the entire rest of your career, like daily work in the studio and being, being there every day and being present and there every day. Yeah. And what's interesting, Devin, is that, yeah, the New York times doesn't come to the studio and write headlines about what you're doing in the studio. Like the New York times comes and watches Swan Lake and right. they watch you as the principal dancer in, in Swan Lake, which, by the way, you were written up very beautifully <laughs> for your performances in Swan Lake. And that, I mean, it was a dream, right? Like, it, it, that's the headline. And so what what had you, Devin, at some point realize, wow, like, have, you've, have you always cared about the headline? Do you care about the headline still? I know that they can make or break your careers, but how did you realize, ah, like, it's not about the headline. Like, that's not what I'm in this for. Or is that just my assumption and I could be <laughs> off? Like, do you care about them still? I'm just wondering like how you, cause that's a trade-off, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, walk me through your thoughts on that and I could be off on it. No, but- I think, I think you're not off. I think it comes, again, it kind of comes down to like keeping perspective of the fact that that headline is like, is 5%, right? That's a blip. That doesn't make or break. And it comes back to, is this journey enough for you? And my journey is being in the studio, being in the studio. So if, if that 5% were enough to break it from, if like that didn't go well, and that was enough to break it for me, and that's all that mattered, like I would be miserable all the time. And at the end of the day, everything else about it, I love. And everything else about it, I adore being in that like 95%. I mean, again, maybe there's 5% where I'm like, oh, this is really hard and hurts and it's not that great. But <laughs> but sure. generally, it just comes wow. down to kind of perspective yeah. of the whole thing. And and that that little mm-hmm. moment, right, that that can make you that can make you famous or that can be the best part or you know, that's the glitz and the glamour of it all, but that's not what for me what really matters is being happy doing what I'm doing and I love doing the daily grind. I love like the hard work and the little details of the daily, the, the boring parts that most kids don't like. Like I love it. How, did you always love it? I mean, it sound, did, did you always love it, Devin? Or did you grow to love it? Um, The grind, the grind part. The grind. Yeah. I, you know, yes and no. There's, there's still times where it's like, oh, I really don't want to do this. Say this hurts. This is hard. It's like not fun. But I do think it is kind of in my personality too. I do mm-hmm. love like, I love kind of the goals that you can see happen. You can see like you can 
there's a formula, right? Like I know that I put in the daily work of like months at a time. And at the end of the day, like this performance should be good because I put in X, Y, and Z. I think the only time I'm really nervous going into, there's always nerves going into a performance, but Mm -hmm. the only time I've been really nervous is when I haven't felt I prepared enough and I hadn't felt that I had put in as much work as I can. So I've really come to love that there's like, for me, there's a definite formula of like, I put in everything I can, I put in all the work that I can, and then there will be an end result. And you can't control the performance, right? It's still live theater. There's not, you can't control everything, but you know that you've really prepared properly for it. So I do think I love that aspect of it. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, this is a parent's dream, right? You've seen how many dancers, you've seen so many kids want to be, especially in ballet with the discipline of ballet. You've seen kids with potential and potential and potential and them not understand the formula. They just don't understand it or they don't learn it soon enough or the parents don't teach it or the parents have taught it forever and the kids just don't care. And you can see kids with raw talent, just raw talent that don't, (laughs) that don't love the grind. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, that's why I asked that question. And I just think when we come to, when we just think about our journeys and we think about the, the relationship to the middle of it. Um, is there a way, cause this is what I coach on is navigating middles and falling in love with the grind. I would say is part of it in knowing that there are elements that are un- going to be again, unexpe- unexpected, unknown, messy, unwanted, right? There's always those components. How do you be with them and not be, I, I kind of think of it like an awkward dinner guest, you know, <laughs> that like comes over. It's like, okay, oh, you're wearing that. Whoa, you should not wear that. Or wow, you're way too pretentious for me. Or, oh, I'm too lowbrow for you. Or I'm too highbrow for you. This kind of thing. And it seems like you formed a relationship with the dinner guest, you know, and where you're like, no, like this, this is the studio. And it's pretty cool that that grant gave you the opportunity to go to Europe and study with these people. And you really started to see, oh, wow. Like there is a formula that, that they follow too. Right. Turns out. Yeah. Um, and so that exposure was, was paramount for you in terms of setting your expectations for yourself. Definitely. And I may, Maybe asserting too much there, but that's what I hear in it. Really key. Okay, let's go to like a lot of times we realize that there's in terms of people accomplishing something, there's an extrinsic side of our accomplishments, which would be all the milestones, the resume, the headlines, the things that everybody can see. And that most people go, oh, I know Devin because of her dot, 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 extrinsic accomplishments that they can see it. And then we have this intrinsic part of ourselves that show us internally what we have accomplished. So extrinsically, it seems that you're, uh, I mean, we, we read the bio at the beginning. Like this is very easy to find. It's easy to find you at an ABT website. It's easy to find you on Wikipedia. Da, da, da. But I'm curious, like intrinsically, like on your journey. Yeah. Like what have been your key intrinsic accomplishments? Would you say the stuff that people can't see? Well, I think also just going back to what you were saying about there are so many talented dancers. Like there are so many dancers I see that I'm like, wow, you physically have it all and you are like that is that's you're gonna make it and then they don't and why is that why (laughs) I feel like I've learned that like over over time especially I've learned that that one of the intrinsic things that I have learned about myself through my career is that I'm way stronger mentally than I ever thought I could be and I think to me that's what differentiates like the really talented, good dancers from the ones who actually make it. Because like at the end of the day, when you get to ABT and you're at that level, like mm-hmm. everyone's really talented and good and amazing. <laughs> sure. and of course, there comes down to an aspect of like timing and luck and all those things. But mental strength, being able to put yourself out in front of an audience of thousands of people and and share your soul, like your heart and your soul to these people that you don't know and be vulnerable is like really scary, is really scary and really hard. And unless you're strong enough mentally to handle that, a lot of people will crack under that sort of pressure. So I think I've really learned through my career that I'm actually way stronger than I thought I could be mentally in handling that sort of pressure of of being on stage and being like, judged by thousands of people and, and, and kind of just having to push through that. So yeah. And Devin, did did that come through reps just over and over, like developing that mental muscle? 
Like what advice would you give to somebody who really wants to be, well, I mean, your entrance, it's beautiful, but yeah. What would you say to somebody that says, Hey, like you've got the talent, you've got, you've got it all. Right. And obviously like they could get the, they're very aware of your extrinsic accomplishments. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah. What would you say to them about the intrinsic? Like you'd say this, it was, it's, I I have to chalk it up to my mental strength or, you know, and how long did it take to build it? What would you say to somebody? I mean, I think it all circles back. I know it's just, this sounds like a big like circle, but it's, it's, it circles back to kind of putting your head down and not caring. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you, in order to get on on stage and know that you're going to be judged by these thousands of people, like I have to kind of not care what they're going to think at the end of the day. (laughs) I have to, I have to think like, I'm going to do the best that I can do and I'm going to pour my heart and soul out there. And it might reach one person. It might reach a hundred people. It might reach no one, but like, we're all there. I think it's also, it's also understanding that we're all there to have this experience, the audience, you, the orchestra, the stage crew, like we are all there to put on this one beautiful, unique blip in time. And, and so I think knowing that they are, they aren't there to look at you poorly. Hopefully most people aren't there to kind of judge you and be mean. Most people want to be moved. Most people go to the ballet to feel something and to feel, um, to kind of put their own feelings away for a second and to, to be moved and to feel something different or to relate to it in some way. And so I think knowing that going on stage and knowing like, okay, I might not be liked by everyone, but but if I can touch one person in the show and I can make one person feel something and kind of feel the things that I am trying to express, like that is good enough for me. So I definitely think that just kind of perspective is hugely important when it comes down to gaining mental strength, like keeping perspective of your your own um, work and your and why you do it, and and perspective of of the at the end of the day, also just knowing you're not going to impress everyone, period. And you yeah, can't. And I, I, <laughs> right. And I think of a quote, I think it's a Clayton Christensen quote where, you know, he talks about what is the job to be done? Exactly. What's the job to be done? Right. And so oh. I, I hear, I hear that when you think about your performance, um, that's where your head is. Yeah. What's the job to be done? And I also love that it's a collective job. So yes, you have your role. You're very clear on that, but you know that you're part of a company and not just part of the company, you're part of the audience. Yeah. Like you're all, and, and so you, you kind of ask everybody, uh, not literally, but um, metaphorically to be on that journey with you um, yeah. and to be vulnerable with you. Yeah. If I'm going to share with you, then please share your emotion with me. Yes. Right? It's not like, just one person out there. It is a whole group of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes live theater so important is that we're all like on this little, like you cannot replicate that if everyone really puts something into it and not just yeah. performers, everyone. Yeah. There. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Devin, I think about, here's a question I didn't ask earlier. The 5%, right? We'll go to the 95.5, right? The ratio. Yeah. The 5%, you know, I mean, you're very aware that the 5% could take you away from the studio. The 5% could like take your whole career away. What do you do with that? And do you view it that way? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is, it's fascinating because right. Like that 5% is that highlight, right? That's the thing that everyone sees is the performance yeah. and being yeah. on stage and, and all of that. And, and like you said, it could break, it could break you like that pressure. Yeah, of that review, huge. one review, one review could yeah. break you. So what do yeah. you do with that? How do you hold that emotion? I just, you ever think about it that way? Yeah. I mean, that's a middle, like being, it's so fascinating because as I've kind of performed more in leading roles more and more, it can be just, it can, the nerves and the pressure of it can just crush people. And, um, and I think like just myself, I personally have grown to like, you have to not let that happen. And that's where the mental strength comes in. Wow. I'm like, okay, as Swan Lake, right. You do a, three act about four act battle yeah. and you're in three of yeah. those acts you're doing two hours of just hard crazy dancing but you're also really telling the story right like you are taking people again you're taking people on this journey they're joining you for this journey and you, you the first step you do is like terribly hard and daunting but yet you know that in the third act you have to do 32 fuetes so you so you're aware of what you have to do and and 32 fuetes for anyone who doesn't know is like one of the most um 
difficult steps for ballet dancers. And it's kind of like this big ballet feat and it's very bravura and bravura. And um, it's, it's just, it's so, they're amazing. They're really cool. But <laughs> if you step on stage and your first step thinking about the 32 fuetes, it's over. It's over. You're not there. You're not in the middle of the process. You're not staying with the entire group of people that you're supposed to be with. Your partner, the other people on stage, the audience, like you're not there. And on the flip side, if you take your first step and it doesn't go how you planned, right, which we can't plan for that. You can. You can practice and rehearse, but you never – like things are going to happen. And maybe you fumble out of it and you suddenly continue on, but you're dwelling on that like that's not fair to anyone either. <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah, Devin, what I hear in that is that you've learned in terms of the relationship to the middle, like you can't what I'm hearing is you can't fast forward to the end. No. And you can't rush the beginning. No. And you have to let the middles do their job. Yeah. And so <laughs> whether you want to or not, you kind of have to appreciate them. Yeah. Because you can't remove them. Nope. You can't jump over them. You can't and certainly can't fast forward them because that would actually be robbing you of your part of the story, yeah. your company and the audience yeah. of that story, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so often I tell myself stage, I'll just be like, um, I'll, I'll ask myself, like, just stay where you're at. Like, stay exactly yeah. where you're at be present. Like don't move, don't move ahead. Don't go behind. And if I feel myself doing that in order to story wise, like characterize, I'll I'll often Uh tell myself like, okay, okay, how did I get to this place? Like what brought me exactly here in this moment? Uh And so it's, it's so, it's just, it can be so easy to think ahead or think behind. And then, like you said, you're robbing everyone of of this experience. And so you have to constantly, it's it's a mental strength thing of constantly saying to myself, stay here, stay here, be here, don't move, don't go ahead, don't go behind, like just stay here. And what is so magical and amazing is like there are those it doesn't always happen that's not easy that's not like an easy thing to do because it can take it's not even you it can take your partner stepping out of it and suddenly you're trying to pull them in and trying to keep them there but that means you're working to do that instead of working to be where instead of staying where you're at right so it just is a such a like there's these culminations of everyone doing that on like one single Mm -hmm. show in those few hours and there are those just really special evenings where the audience stays with you, where your partners, where everyone is just 100% invested and Uh, being present. And they are just like, it gives me chills just talking about it because it's just magic. It's pure magic of like when that happens and it's not easy and it doesn't always happen. But when it does, it is just the most special thing. And it's just being in the middle of it and staying where you're at and staying exactly in the moment and being present. You have a beautiful way of telling it too, Devin, right? Because for me to actively listen, which is my role here, my job to be done, I, I have to go with you on that. Like, <laughs> I'm just listening to you. I'm, I'm there. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm there. I'm in that middle with you right now. Like just thinking about Swan Lake and thinking about the four acts and thinking about and, – and uh, it's what's, what's really cool about it for me is that you – uh, and just dancers and the arts and just the way these are written is that they all they all have that job to be done and they can't they all have equal weight and I think when things are when if when it involves the unknown the unmessy the unwanted the unexpected blah 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 right when it involves all that we want to shortchange it don't we I mean it makes human sense to want to just get be done with that right or to fast forward that and not let it do the work it has work to do. Yeah. And that's uh, that's what I really I, I'd invite uh, the audience to just think on that. Um, the listeners to think on that is that there is don't don't rob the middle of its job, right? Don't rob it of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, don't don't weight the beginning or the ending more heavily, right? And I'm speaking to myself too, <laughs> just <laughs> reflecting because I think it's really really natural to want to remove it or want to fast forward it or want to shorten it. Where does that take us? Is yeah. the bigger question. So okay, so here let's just I, I have one more question really, and okay. we can combine these. But if you were talking to somebody, you know, and they said, oh, like, how do I know if I'm on a journey that matters enough to me? You know, um, what advice would you give them? How do, how do they know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think they'll ever, hard. You, it's a hard question. I don't know that you'll ever like fully 
know, right? But for me, mm-hmm. something that has helped me and something that I would tell others to consider when you, when thinking about this question is my mom's kind of motto and is saying, okay, right, this is this might be hard, this might not be fun. And but at the end of the day, overall, does does it make me happy? And think about mm-hmm. all of the aspects of it. Like and again, kind of put it in perspective, like how much of it makes me happy versus how much right. of it doesn't. If there's 95% that doesn't make you happy, that's probably not your journey. But 95% that does, like that definitely is your journey. So I think just thinking about the the whole thing and kind of pulling back and looking at looking at it from above and thinking, okay, what about this makes me happy and and is that enough for me? And so that was that's something that I've continued to do throughout my career and my life. And I just, I think that's, I would tell others to, to think about it that way in that, in that, with that question. Well said, well said, uh, especially for those, uh, those perfectionists out there or those like completionists out there that want it, you know, we want our journeys to be a hundred percent worth it, you know, um, and realizing, Hey, like there's going to be 5%, maybe there's 10%, maybe it's 80, 20 for you how can you make it 65, 35, you know, like over time, how can you make it 70, 30? You follow me on that? Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. And then last thing, I mean, are middles worth it? I think you know the answer to that one, but <laughs> yeah, like for you is they obviously seem worth it, but do you have thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, you said? definitely a hundred percent worth it <laughs> from my experience. And especially, you know, with my, with my career, it is just always like, it definitely is worth it. The middles are where, the growth happens and the middles are where the unseen moments, those those non-glorified moments, that's where it all happens. And that's what we want to happen, right? We all want to continue to grow, be getting better at whatever we're choosing to do on our journey. And those middles, man, those are those are it. Those are where it's at. <laughs> those are it. Those are the money makers, right? Yeah, it's where it's at. Uh, Devin, thank you. This is awesome. This is so awesome. And what's next? I mean, post-COVID, like what's the dream role? Oh, God. If you could be in anything tomorrow. Like <laughs> it's a horrible question. Yeah. You don't have to answer it. No, but. I just, I mean, I just, I don't think I have a dream role. I just, I do hope that out of COVID, there's two things come out of this, that, that yeah. dancers, when we do get back to live theater and live stage, we will pour our hearts and souls a hundred percent into this and that we will, you'll see like a rare breed of dancer come out of this where we just explode with all of this pent up things that we've been keeping in for two years that just come out on stage and there's no fear and there's no holding back. I think that is one of my goals and hopes for dancers. And then I hope the same thing happens with audience members. I hope that we recognize and you understand that, you know, we're getting so much, it's wonderful. There's so much online access right now to dance and to the arts and all these other things. But I, my hope is that we once you can get in a theater and you have that live performance magical moment again that people will flock to it because we need live theater and you need live arts and you need performing arts to feel those things and they can't be replicated online and on a screen so i just my hope is that like everyone will just flock to the theaters and we'll mm. love it again <laughs> yeah. i'll be on the front row i'll be on the front row girl i'll yes. be on the front row yes 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 amen uh this has been wonderful Devin. you're you're fabulous thank you thank you so much thank you thank you for listening to today's episode if you enjoyed the conversation please 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 rate and review the show on either the apple podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps people find this show faster and easier. Also, as a textbook extrovert, I would love to hear what you think. Tell me what's working for you, what's not, and what you'd like to hear more of. DM me on Instagram at at Mala Graywall. Again, that's at Mala Graywall, M-A-L-A-G-R-E-W-A-L on Instagram. Thanks for listening.